Cool. All right. We can start our message now, can't we? <laughs> yeah. So I've been uh, looking at the kids out there doing their uh, Sunday school, Cornerstone Kids. And what's on the window there is about the fruits of the Spirit. Has everyone noticed that? Like when you walk down the hallway, it's like the fruit of the Spirit is blah, 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 blah. We're going to read that out in a second. Um, and I was thinking about one of the fruits of the Spirit that we don't really talk about much. Now, can anyone sort of guess what it is? Anyone who knows what the fruit of the Spirit is that we don't really talk about much? Long-suffering, self-control, that's it. Self-control, that's not really something that we really mention much. Like We're like, oh man, I just love the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Give me that. Give me that, I want that. But one of the things that happens to us when we get born again is that our nature changes, doesn't it? We have to change. If we don't change, have we really accepted Christ? Because anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. I was thinking about that word self-control and I was thinking back to when I was young, girl, and <laughs> does anyone like all-you-can-eat buffets? They are awesome, right? When you're young, now I'm old, they're not. They're not much fun anymore. You know, you go along and you, you're trying to get as much as you can eat, but you're like, oh, I'm full. This is ridiculous. But when you're young, it's like you've got this amazing self-control to keep eating, you get... <laughs> I remember there was a buffet at, at a place called Top of the Telford and whenever you went there, it was like they'd have a carvery so you'd have these chefs in their big hats and stuff and you'd go there so you get all dressed up. Now, the problem is that you always, when you're a kid, your mum and dad dress you up with button shorts. It's not good at all. And, and you'd go along and you'd, you'd, you can eat anything you want and you're looking and you just, you just want everything, don't you? You're like, I've got to have one of everything. And then when I finish that, I'm having one of everything again. And then when I finish that, what did I really like? I'm having more of that. But I remember at that place, sometimes I'd be going into the bathrooms as a kid and I'd be like, my stomach was just like bloated, you know, and the button sticking in. So where your belly button in is actually an imprint of an actual button. And, and you're like, undo the top button, you know. So it's sort of, oh yeah, that's good. I've got some more room now. <laughs> But self-control was not a thing. It was like, eat all you can. That's, that's the point of those places, right? We're, we're there to make them go broke um, by what we eat. And we'd have competitions as young fellas, like I remember going out in your sort of 20s and that, and you'd just be like, how many plates you had? I've had eight. Well, I've had nine. And, you know, you'd have this competition to see who could be the biggest pig. And they were fun times, you know. But at the end of the night, I remember lying down on my bed and I'm like, I can't get to sleep. Not because I wasn't tired, but every time I rolled on my stomach, it hurt. <laughs> it was that bloated and full. And self-control is something that we see out the window today, isn't it? It's something that we don't see people do anymore. It's like, and we'll be reading a passage later on as I speak about how in the end days that people are going to be out of control. No longer do I have any self-control in any area of my life. You see, um, I mean, people do. People do have self-control. But it is something that we can get from the Spirit of God. And so as people of God, there are things in our life that we're like, man, I can't change that. Yeah, you can. 
The thing is that we do want to look to God to change things, but when he says one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, in my head I'm like, that means I've got to take a part in this. Is that right or not? You know, that, that one of the, the, the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And often we want God to just fix it, don't we? Yes, fix it, God. It's nothing to do with me. You just do the work. But when we talk about a fruit of the Spirit being self-control, we have to go, actually, maybe there's something that, that I need to do here. So let's have a look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 to 23. That's going to be our, our first scripture. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So again, when you look at that list, you go and... All those things are amazing. I want all those things in my life. But then it comes down to self-control. And this is really important for us. If you, if you look at life in general, people who practice self-control are happier. They did a study on kids that, that looked at their academic uh, achievements in life. And you know what they found? It wasn't your IQ that determined how well you did. It was your self-control. Children that were taught self-control actually got better marks. Why? It's because they took responsibility for the things in their life that they needed to change or that they needed to do. And I want to look at two things in particular today, a bit later on, the verses. But self-control is so broad in so many different areas, isn't it? It's like, I've got to control my lusts, my, my, uh, my passions... I've got to control my finance. I've got to control the way I relate with people. I've got to control my tongue and all these things. And we find in life that it's not usually the fastest. Well, they win the 100 metres at the Olympics. It is always the fastest. But they didn't get there by being fast from the start. What happened in their life was that they began to run. They trained every day on the track. They put in effort. And then they became a champion. So they became the fastest, but they weren't just the fastest. People who are champions are always people who are dedicated to what they do. Whether it's good or bad, I'm not really sure sometimes. When, when you hear people say, I sacrifice everything, I sacrifice my family for this, you're like, well, I think you sacrificed the wrong things. But self-control is something that helps us to achieve things in life. We all want the quick fix. But people who have self-control find that they do really well in life. Why? Because they're not reactive. They're not people who, who are just whatever comes to mind, I do it. They're not the ones that, like, I need that. Let me get another credit card to add on to my fifth one because I need that money and I need that thing right now. They're not the people who are in endless arguments because they're not interested. They've come to a place of maturity in life where they don't really care. 
I don't really care what you say. It's not that important to me. I can actually afford you to disagree with me without having to have a fight because I'm confident in myself. I can control myself. I can control my emotions and my reactions. How many times have you had a fight with someone because you lack self-control? You just flew off the handle. Let's have a look at what people with self-control are like right now. So we'll look at Proverbs. This is telling us that people with self-control are powerful people. It's better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Now that's pretty powerful words, isn't it? It's like, uh, it's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Now, most of us would think, no, it's better to conquer a city, surely. But self-control is a vehicle where God can work, where you can achieve what God wants you to do, because you're not letting yourself be in control. And Sam said that today, didn't she? It's easier to give control over to God. Rather than me take control of my own life, Give control over to God, the Spirit of God, which actually gives me self-control, where I know what is right and wrong in my life. I know how to get to what I want to achieve. I know how to live in peace with people because I'm not flying off the handle and I'm not angry all the time. Now, another verse, 20, Proverbs 25, 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. What does that mean? Now... In the olden days, cities used to have walls around them. Why was that? To protect them. A wall was something that gave protection to the inhabitants. It stopped things getting in that shouldn't get in, whether it be wild animals, whether it be opposing armies, whatever it might be. A wall was built to stop things getting into that city that would actually ruin it. Now, what it's saying there is a person without self-control is allowing their life to be open to just about anything. A person without self-control is exposing themselves to danger, intimidation and disaster. This is why it's so important. It's so important that we think about what we do, how we act, how we react to things so that we can... We can have some control in life and not be controlled by situations, not be controlled by our emotions, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. As it said in our first verses in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. These things come into your life. And we as Christians need to understand that, that we cannot be people that live without control. We can't just follow every desire that we want to follow. I just want to put up some areas where we need to practice self-control. Firstly, faith. Do you know there's an old... Uh, it's not a saying. But it's something that seems to be lost in our Christian walk. And this is, this is the word. Spiritual disciplines. Now, who likes the word discipline? I do. <laughs> Why? Because it helps me achieve what I need to achieve. It's the daily, consistent, one-direction thing that we do. That I'm moving from where I am to where I need to be. 
and I'm going to do it daily. I'm going to be disciplined in what I do. And I have to be honest that I, that I see that many Christians don't practice spiritual discipline. What does that mean? It means you don't actually start to discipline yourself to pray. Or we don't start to discipline ourselves to read the Word of God. We don't discipline ourselves to be obedient to Him. And one of the reasons is the world tells us a very different story, which is why we have to be disciplined. Anything goes. You don't have to live like a Christian to be a Christian. You don't have to live out your faith to be a Christian. All you have to do is believe in Jesus and everything after that doesn't matter. But for us, God is asking us to have a bit of self-control. Now the thing is that not all the time do we feel like praying. This is why it's called discipline. That when we know we need to, when we need to get into the Word of God, we don't feel like it, we're tired, it's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to have that discipline for ourselves. But remember that a person that is self-disciplined, that has self-control, that person is better than actually taking over and conquering a city. Discipline leads us to where we need to be even when we don't feel like it. There is no doubt that every champion would not feel like training every day. Not everyone gets up and says, oh, I just want to train every day. Someone who's saving up for a holiday, when there's something on and they're like, you know what, I need to save this amount a week, the discipline is sometimes hard. But with faith, we have to remember that it is a discipline. The result is, though, when we start to live the way that Jesus taught us to live, when we listen to his word, when we pray, when we have relationship with other Christians, and we create a disciplined lifestyle, it gives us so much freedom. Hard to understand. Our finance, having discipline in that area, making sure that we, we're not just crazy spending or we're not crazy hoarding but where we're actually living out our faith in our finance that i'm giving to the things of god that i'm remembering the poor and those that are that need help but discipline in finance is important so that we can do what god wants us to do when we're in big debt how much can we actually give to anything we're too busy paying AGC or, or um, another credit card company or whatever it might be. Our credit card interest is always killing us. We're like, I'd just love to give to that, but I've got no money. Our fitness, self-control in that area, what we eat, our food, our, our exercise, making sure that we have discipline. I often wonder about that area of life because there's people that go crazy fitness, right? Where you just don't even want to talk to them because it's about their fitness, what they've eaten. They've counted every calorie they ate but also every calorie you ate. It's like they've got this badge. I'm the food police. <laughs> but for us as Christians... Wouldn't it be better that we live a long, healthy lifestyle to live out God's purpose for us on this earth? 
than to die young because we were undisciplined, not ever really reach the, the heights of what God wanted us to do on this earth. And the Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, something to take care of, something to look after, something to not use for wicked things and wicked desires, but to actually live for him. It says, I present my body as a living sacrifice to Jesus. Our family, being self-disciplined, but also disciplining our children. It's so important that we don't let our kids run amok. That we just let them do whatever they want, give them whatever they want. Because all they're going to do is start to think that God's exactly like that as well. That they don't need to listen. They don't need to obey. I don't even have to obey my parents. Why would I even bother obeying God? Being disciplined in making sure we spend time, having self-control that I'm not always at work, having self-control so I'm not always fighting, that I'm reacting to every situation. In fun, having self-control, know where the limit is. Where is what I do become ungodly? Where is what I'm saying become irreverent and unholy? And our friends, have self-control with your friends. And a lot of this boils down to how we use our tongue, right? Has anyone ever said anything that they regret? I'd have to put my hand up and say, I have. (laughs) And the Bible talks about our words, how they're like arrows that go out. And you imagine that. It's like you get the bow, you've got this loaded up, I'm ready to give it to them. I'll just give them a piece of my mind, I'll let them know what I think. Once you let the arrow go, it's very, very hard to catch it. (laughs) In fact, the only thing that'll catch that arrow is the other person's heart, usually. And it's not pleasant. It's not nice. It's not kind. It's not the way that we should be as Christians. And the Bible even talks about the tongue itself as being, if you can control the tongue, if you can control your tongue, you can control anything. You would be a mature and a perfect person. Yet it's so hard to do. Why is it hard to do? Because we lack self-control. We have to justify ourselves. We have to give reason. We have to react. We have to abuse. We have to insult. We have to lie to get what we want. Let's have a look at James chapter 3, referring to the tongue. And it would do you good, it does me good, to read through the whole chapter. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Surely it's not right. Proverbs 13. 
Verse 3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. True, right? (laughs) There's been times when I open my mouth and I'm just like, that was my worst decision. (laughs) I should have just shut up. And then Psalm 4.4, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. What's that talking about? It's saying have some self-control. There's two things that the Bible talks about a lot in Proverbs and throughout the Bible that the tongue is something that's hard to control but also a person who is angry is not living the way that Jesus wants them to live. In fact, it says if you're letting anger control you, it's like you're showing yourself to be a fool. If you're letting it that I'm angry all the time, you're showing yourself to be a fool. And so many people struggle with things like this. They're like, I'm always angry. Well, there's something you need to do, and it's to get the Spirit of God working on your life. Because the Holy Spirit is what produces this fruit in your life. You cannot do it without him. But a person who lacks the self-control in the first place probably won't spend that time with Jesus anyway. A fruit of the Spirit. Something that comes from the Spirit of God that can help you in life, that, 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 that gives you self-control. Just here's some of the things to do when you're thinking about how do I actually get control myself? Number one, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop relying on your own strength. You know you can't do it. You've tried before and it's never worked. Number two, avoid temptation. Guys, if you are tempted in the area, in an area, the Bible says you should remove yourself immediately. Get yourself out of there. Flee youthful lust. It doesn't say play around with them. It says get out of there. There are times in life when you just have to make a decision, and this is sort of that next one there, but plan ahead. If you know you're going into a situation where it's not good for you, plan ahead to leave. I know there's uh, one of the guys here, Matt, fantasize in the fires with him and and there's times when we just have to walk out from situations you know you get together as a crew and you're training it's like blah 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 and then now we're getting topless barmaids at this time guess whose cue that is to leave yeah see you later guys thanks it's been great enjoyed your company but this is not the right place don't put yourself into situations where there's temptation there Didn't Jesus say it's better to cut off your right hand and enter heaven without it than to sin and not get there? Better to pluck out your eye? Now, I don't think he's saying do it literally. But what he's saying is that in life there are things that you know you have to give up. What if it's Facebook? Because you know every time you get on Facebook, you end up in an argument with someone. You end up sharing your opinion with the world. Is that good for you? Sometimes it's things that are just insignificant. For myself, one of the most stupid times was when I was playing indoor cricket. 
And having a great time, great season. There was one night I was given out. It definitely wasn't out. The guy was lying. The referee said, oh, I made the decision because I couldn't see it. I'm like, what sort of referee is that? And <laughs> I got angry. I was like, I was this young guy, you know, teenager probably, maybe a little bit older up in the chair. <laughs> Let me tell you where you went wrong. Anyway, I walked away from that night and I just made a decision right then and there. I'm not playing indoor cricket the rest of this season. Why? Because I'd lost control of myself. I had lost the point of everything that I was doing. And it might be for you that you find yourself at those times as well or in those places where you just got to say, I'm checking out. The control was, I'm not going to be there. Could I have conquered it by staying? Absolutely, of course. I've played indoor cricket before and it's been okay. Plan ahead, practice self-control. Do you know one of the, the disciplines when we're talking about spiritual disciplines is fasting? Has anyone ever fasted here? Yeah. I don't mean when you're studying and there's nothing in the fridge. <laughs> well, you've made a decision. I'm going to seek the Lord. You know, the, f- the first couple of days, it's like, you know, the first meal you skip, it's like you haven't eaten forever. I can't eat this meal. And it's like, it's devastating. You know, I'm, I'm obviously going to die. I've, I'm malnourished. Everything's bad. But the longer you go on, you seem to enter this different phase, the second day, the third day, and then all of a sudden you don't even feel hungry anymore. The spiritual discipline of fasting silences your flesh. It doesn't move God. We understand that. If I fast, it doesn't move God and make him do anything for me. It's not like a deal that you have. I won't eat for three days if you do this for me, Jesus. It doesn't work like that. But what it does is that you start to quieten yourself down so you can hear the Spirit of God. It's a good discipline to do. Maybe you could do it once a week, skip a lunch, spend that time praying, whatever it might be, but think about these things. Practice self-control. Practice it. Meditate. And I don't mean like sit there with Buddha there, obviously. What I'm saying is let the Word of God go around in your mind. Meditate on God. Meditate on what he wants. Listen to his word. Meditate on it. When you know that you're struggling and you're reading the word of God and you see something that really identifies your need at the moment, let it rattle around in your brain. Remind yourself of the consequences of your actions. Now, when we read through that that first verse, or a lot of verses, it talked about all the things that show that we're not living with God's spirit in control of our lives. And what, it, what did it say at the end? Don't be fooled that if you're acting like that, you are not going to see the kingdom of God. That's a pretty big consequence, isn't it? For me, I'm like, wow. Start small. Where's one little area in your life that you're out of control? Like, is it... Like I actually gave Jo permission this year. She hasn't really used it, thank goodness. Um, it's nice when you give permission and they don't do it, but the permission was this. If, I say, if she asked me to do something, I'm like, oh, I'll do it later. 
She had permission to say to me, do you have time to do it now? <laughs> In which my answer would be, no, there's a good show on TV. <laughs> but do you have time to do it now? Start with the little things. And so for me it was like, Joe, I want you to be able to just hold me a little bit accountable here because I will often put off little things that take 10 seconds. I'll do it later. Just start to practice that discipline in your life. You know, with, with, your, with your house, it's like, you know how sometimes things just so, seem so out of control? You don't even know where to start. In fact, it's so overwhelming, you're like, well, just start with something little. You know what? Every time I get up from the lounge room, I'm taking a dirty dish up to the sink. Three days later, I'm going to wash it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the little things in life, discipline, that we get into. And the thing is that when we are disciplined, it actually gives a great reward because we, we find we actually begin to be in control of things, if you understand what I'm saying, that, that, that all of a sudden things aren't out of control because I've spent time doing it. I started boot camp earlier this year and my goal was this, just go every session that I can. And now it's finished. My daughter stopped it. <laughs> so watch over the next few months as I grow. <laughs> no, we're still doing stuff. But what I found was this, I started, and they, she'd give us these things called burpees, basically borrowed from the torture chambers of England. <laughs> so I'd be doing these burpees, and I'm like, man, no, I'm not doing a burpee on stage. I've outlawed them, they're illegal. <laughs> but every single exercise, she'd like, right, oh, we're doing this. 45 seconds, 15 seconds rest, or, you know, we're doing this for a minute and then a minute's rest. Then I'll be going, oh, yeah, no worries. Battle ropes, everyone ever, ever done them? The battle ropes, those big ropes, and you sit there going like that, and they're always the ones you see on the ads on TV because they look cool. But I'm doing them, and I'm like, yeah, great, must be nearly a minute, 15 seconds. <laughs> Far out, man. And your arms are tired, and you, ah, oh, just forget, have a little rest while she's not looking. but you know by the end of it a minute was okay I actually didn't do anything I didn't have this determination that I'm practicing battle ropes every day I just said I'm going to turn up that was it and I think for us that's a good lesson just turn up just turn up and be consistent that's the last thing it was about the consistency of what I did I don't feel like praying Who cares? Did God say go by your feelings? When you feel like praying, pray. No, he said pray about everything. That men should pray at all times, about all things, for all people. He didn't say as soon as you feel like it, you can pray because guaranteed you will never pray except for when you need help. When you're desperate, then you'll pray. Uh, you know, I'll read my word when I feel like it. No, it says meditate on the word day and night. Get it down into your soul. Don't be a slack Christian. Thinking that all I need is, you know, to listen once a week to a message or, or um, whatever it might be. Make a decision. And I think, like, for me, that was my decision when I was young. I've, 
I've sort of said this before, but when I got saved, my discipleship was this. Went into a back room uh, besides my family, which was excellent in discipling me. Read your Bible every day, pray every day. It's as simple as that, guys. So what did I do? I did it. And it's funny as you go through life how you do get times where you just don't feel like it. I know in the teenage years, you're out, you're busy, you get home, it's a little bit late, and it'd be like, have you read your Bible today? No, I haven't. So I made the decision that I will read my Bible regardless of how I feel. Now, I'm pretty sure that some of it didn't even go in because I remember reading it and I was like, what did that just say? I had no idea. There's times when I, <laughs> when I got up early to pray, I gave that up because I, I just start talking rubbish. Has anyone ever done that? It's like, you've got to pray at 5.30 because that's when God's up apparently. <laughs> so any time he's listening. And, and I thought, oh, I'll try that. I got up and I'd be praying and next minute I'll be falling asleep, but I'd be praying prayers and I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, and it wasn't tongues, it was just stupid. It was like, just weird. And I go, I'm going to bed. But there was a good lesson in that, that I'd made a decision to discipline myself. And there's times when I don't, and I know when that is, it's because that's when I'm not pushing into God. And it can be the same for us, self-control. Self-control. Let's look at our last verse. Psalm 32, 8 and 9. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Why have I got that there? Firstly, Actually, I think Sam said this again. She should have preached this morning. <laughs> but let your life be God's. Stop relying on other people to control what you do. If you're only good because someone's keeping you good, your heart's not in the right place. And this is what's saying to us. Christian, take some responsibility for your own walk, for your own actions, for your own words, for your own dedication to Christ. Stop relying on other people to keep you on the straight and narrow because that's only done with a bit and a bridle. It's only done with a stick. Stop relying on other people to do everything for you. Stop being a baby Christian. Take some responsibility for your own life and let it be that the Holy Spirit is building in you self-control so that you are living for Jesus, not because your mum and dad are, not because your friends are, not because you feel embarrassed if you're not in that place. And not only when you're in church, but when you're in another city where people can't see you, your decisions are still based on your faith. That your speech isn't different somewhere else. That you're not out nightclubbing and drinking and getting drunk in another city because no one can see you. That you're still praying and caring and loving for people even when no one's watching. Because we understand this, that God is always watching. He sees everything we do. 
And as a Christian, when you actually come to the light and open up your heart to him and you really live for him, that is when the change will happen. Stop blaming other people for your problems. They may have a part to play. But take responsibility. Live with self-control. Stop making excuses for your bad behaviour or your disobedience to God. And remember that the fruit of the Spirit is not just all those good things that we look at. Now, self-control is a good fruit. But it's not so warm and fuzzy because it demands action from our heart. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for every good and perfect gift you give us. Lord, I just pray that you would live in our hearts, Lord God. Help us to live in that place of self-control to allow your spirit to flow in us, Father God. Today I pray. Lord, anyone who's been lacking in that area right now, I'm just praying your strength over them. Holy Spirit, fill them with your power so that out of the love of Christ will flow this amazing power to live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just lastly, I'd like to invite anyone who's never accepted Christ into their life to make a decision today and just ask him in. Matt talked about the cross, focusing on the cross, and the reason is this, that it was Jesus' death on the cross that won our freedom from sin. In fact, anyone who believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. And today's an opportunity to just say, I believe in you, Jesus. I need you in my life. So we're just going to pray. If that's you, I just want to give you the opportunity to ask him in and make you into a new person today. I'll just pray you just listen agree. Father, I'm so sorry that I've sinned against you. I haven't lived for you at all. In fact, I didn't even know you. But God, I accept that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I'm so sorry. And I want to live this day for you. I want your spirit to fill me. I want to, want to make changes in my life. But most of all, I just want that freedom from sin. Forgive me today, I pray. In the name of Jesus, come into my life. Amen. You might have prayed that prayer this morning and you're with a friend, let them know. You can fill out a card or a bit of, it's actually paper <laughs> over there. And on, on that little green form over there, you can put your name and, and say, yeah, today I made a decision for Jesus. And put in that little bucket there and we'll give you a ring. If, if you're not with anyone, you can do that or come up the front. We're going to pray in a minute. We just leave it at our church. We have the front, which we call open, which means you can come up and get prayer for anything, whatever it might be. Healing, self-control, whatever it might be. Up to you, but the prayer is open at the front. Thanks, guys.